Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. I bring you experts from the world of racing and sim racing to make you faster. The first of which is Brad Philpot. How's it going, Brad? I'm determined to make that work. Hey, Spanners, going fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm home from work. Been doing some driving on the simulator, and now I'm ready to talk to you. I speak first because I'm the host, but generally I go in I rating order. And I, Brad, I, Brad, have reached the dizzy heights of 2300 on iRacing. That's my I rating. Yeah, sorry. When you told me that earlier, I'm sorry for not sounding too impressed because kind of two to two and a half thousand i rating uh, in my mind that's kind of like people when people are getting into it and first getting the sim and they're playing on a controller and that kind of thing so so i didn't i didn't mean to um to act underwhelmed that was savage that hurt my feelings but i think i might have creeped ahead of matt two rumpets how's it going matt oh you know i'm just casually basking in the warm glow of my win in second split f3 he said humbly it's not bad. That is pretty good going. I was actually delighted for you, but also I've got a weird relationship with you in racing. Like in all other forms of like what we're doing with media, if you're doing tech times, I wish you all the best. And in iRacing, I want to wish you all the best, but I do. I, it does get under my skin if you're ahead, if you're genuinely faster at a track or you have any success. I've got a kind of like a, a like a brotherly feeling of like, oh, damn it. It can get a bit competitive between us, can it? <laughs> I liked it. Um, but you got a win in second split in F3. That was Tell us about it. Regalus with a tail. Well, um, I qualified on pole. Did I mention that? Well, I've mentioned it now, haven't I? I qualified on pole. Uh, the guy in second, I think, used a double clutch start. So he got ahead of me. And I was running the um, the negative rake setup. So, it, it, so he got three, four seconds up the road from me. Uh, third place was kind of creeping on me, but I was able to sort of maintain a buffer. There were some back markers to clear. And then round about the 10th lap, um, he spun, I think, uh, going through the red affilio, the first chicane, and I passed him. And now he was like about a second behind me. And then the next three or four laps, it was between about 1.6 and 0.6. It was like a real battle with, nice. with me in front and him catching. 
And then I think on lap 13 or 14, he lost it in Ascari, entering Ascari. And suddenly it was five seconds. And then he managed to lose it one more time. And then it was like <laughs> 10 seconds. And with three laps, now I was on Discord, and I think there was only one other person racing. It was a 10-15 race. Uh, the only one other person from the Swarm Racing. And I waited until I was about to enter Parabolica before I even mentioned that I might win the race. Uh, yeah, you don't want to jinx it. You're not like that guy off of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where he uses his phone friend to tell his dad, Dad, I've won the million! I've won the million! Uh, but Brad, that situation where, you know, the guy is... is under pressure and he spins off i was tempted to go oh so it was an attrition win and try and take away some of his glory but it's amazing how much pressure you can put on someone in the relative box and in with lap times yeah definitely i'm fully behind that and that's also why whenever i'm doing a sprint race just a normal official race if i do happen to be in the lead i i'm still trying to press home that advantage because i want to make the person in second place yeah, have to try yeah. hard i want them to take themselves out of the picture by trying to keep up with me or conversely break their spirit and make them give up one of the two <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing how how often you can lose hope in the relative box if you're following and someone is like i think i'm staying with you and then they break half a second and then an, another couple of tenths and then it's two and it's three and suddenly you don't feel like you're in touch with them anymore and i think like yeah that that battle of the relative box some of my best uh, i races have been just looking at that relative box trying to say right i need to stay two seconds ahead because once you're under a second i think there's something psychological that says i'm gonna get you i'm here now something psychological and also a genuine slipstream effect so there's that as well right there's that too yeah well that that was actually my proudest moment because i think my fastest lap was set right before he managed to lose it for the first time. Yep. And and to be in the lead and to, and to have him get that close and then be able to just make that lap time happen. I was like, okay, say what else you want about anything else. I feel like I earned it at that point. Well, congratulations, because I looked at my stats and I haven't had a single win, a single podium in all of 2020 and 2021. I have look Brad, look at you, Brad, with your your pitiful eyes at me. But I don't know. I just I think I hope it's a symbol of that I've been improving enough that since I've been going up splits and up categories that I've been challenging myself. That's how I'm looking at it. But I've not won because I've been challenging myself. I feel like you're at the point now where you are actually going to start having momentum forwards. You know, you're you're kind of you've done the groundwork and yeah. it's like you're you're progressing in terms of I rating and just general skill and, and how you know getting used to the sim in no short uh, in no short measure is that due to the advice we get here on iRacing, on the iRacing podcast. So um, I hope we'll keep doing this. I hope we'll keep getting faster. The key difference with my iRating at the moment is the last few races I've had have been split one in F3 more than split two. And I have found, I have found a distinct difference in the driver standards. I'm not saying there's not attrition. I'm not saying you don't occasionally get hit out. But I had three races in a row in split one and they were all clean and I was able to race well. I felt fantastic. I could use all my pace. For the, for our swarm night, which was at the most popular spot, 8 p.m. Wednesday, there I was in split two, and I ended up getting punted out from fifth place. So I was in fifth place, and a guy's fighting me for ages, and in the end, he just gets he gets up, up, upset, and into Parabolica, accidentally breaks a bit too late, and does a wheel-on-wheel contact, spins me up, I finish up in eighth. But generally, Brad, I have found, I mean, it's been a long time since you've been not split one, but I have found that in F3, which has a reputation for just being a horror show, the top splits are a little calmer. There's, I think there's a bit more at stake 
people are guarding their ratings. I don't know. That's my working theory. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, as you know, I stay away from Formula 3 in general, but in anything, it doesn't matter which split you're in. There is still going to be some kind of unpredictability and carnage and misjudgment somewhere in the field. Um, so much so that if I do have a, I had an example last week, I was at Spa doing the Formula Renault or sorry, Formula 3.5. And I had a qualifying session where I forgot to put the qualifying setup on. I, I qualified oh, no. uh, on race setup with like 60 liters of fuel. Oh. Couldn't, couldn't work out until after I checked back in the garage, why I was, you know, off, off pole. And I was down in, I think I qualified fourth or fifth. And even that put me right in the danger zone because I suddenly went from being calm and serene where I'd been in all, all the other races all week where I've been on pole and I could just drive away at the front with no one to interfere. Suddenly I had to think about, okay, is there someone going to do a Grosjean from behind? Am I going to get harpooned by the, when I'm halfway through turn one? Am I going to lock up and hit the car in front? And that can happen even with the, you know, the best guys at the front. So I tell you what, iRacing would be brilliant if it wasn't for all those other cars trying to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> How have you found the Renault 2.5? I, I saw your... Your live streams, your live streams are always excellent. Look for Bradley Philpot there. You moved away from F1. You moved away from F3 initially and just said, right, I'm going to do F1. You were singing its praises here. Um, and then you've moved to Renault 3.5. Why? And is it good? I was hovering over the purchase button for the 3.5 to try it out. Would you recommend it? Yeah, I would. So I moved away from the Formula One for a couple of reasons. Firstly, there aren't that many official races. And because, as you know, I'm trying to get the best I rating possible. I want to race lots and lots of times. Um, whereas with the Formula One, it was really one race a day, maybe, that would go official. And then there'd be one really big race on a Saturday. But if that went wrong, your whole week of practice was kind of wasted. Um, and I had a couple of those where I put in a lot of practice hours and you also had to practice full hour long races because there was so much tire strategy and, oh, and you had to do a, a full dress rehearsal to see how your and, tires would go. Exactly. And, and you wouldn't just do one because you wouldn't just nail the strategy first practice. You'd have to do another race run and another mm. race run. So you'd spend so many hours of rate of racing time that didn't count for anything only to then maybe have an issue in, in the main race. And I found there was some real tricky techniques to, the energy deployment and the energy recovery and using the revs in certain way to get the exhaust gases to regen loads of stuff, which I'm not that interested in. So I decided to have a bit of a, a trial to switch to the formula 3.5, which is former uh, formerly the formula Renault 3.5. Yeah. And it's just a bit more pure. The only kind of gimmicky addition is the fact you've got DRS when um, you get a, a limited number of DRSs to use during the race. That's the only extra thing okay. apart from just driving fast. The tires don't degrade. And there's no pit stops. So from F3, if I was to jump in, would I find it drivable? Yeah, you'd find that you need to apply a bit more throttle control because it's way more powerful. Oh, oh right. More powerful. Yeah, it's, it's like a Formula 2 car, essentially. It's like a GP2 Formula 2 car from a few years ago. It's that kind of level. Um, so much faster than the Formula 3 car. But I find that nice because it actually separates the the better drivers from the kind of average to good drivers because you can't get away from just mashing the throttle. Um, you know, you do have to have some kind of skill on corner exit. So it's yeah. one additional area where you can make a difference as a driver. So it's just nice and pure, normally aspirated, no turbo, and loads of races go official. Basically, every race goes official. Well, I'm out then. Why is that? Oh, it separates the better drivers oh, from yeah. the good to average drivers. Yeah, I'm yeah. out. Yeah, I, I sort of had the same thought when he made that comment as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I definitely want to give it a go. Um, you should. My, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, some other 
non-single seater stuff in a bit as well because we're going to talk about some endurance racing and actually the new open wheeler that has been announced yes we're, we're going to talk about the reviews that have come out for the new direct drive wheel and a little bit of setup talk as well just to answer a comment uh, a question in the comments um sam has said why is the 3.5 faster than the three that's because the the number doesn't actually relate no. <laughs> to it's not like formula one formula two formula three formula 3.5 relates to the engine size so it's a 3.5 liter v6 right. engine um as opposed to formula three which just happens to be the third tier of single seaters um so yeah the reason it's called formula 3.5 is because they couldn't call it formula two because there already was a formula two so it was kind <laughs> of a rival to gp2 at the time well so done for asking that, that sam because i also was similarly confused but just didn't ask because, yeah, you know, you just don't want to seem stupid. But thank you for having the courage to look stupid, Sam. Uh, that's what we should all be doing in life. So I'm going to give that. I think I'll, I'm going to give that a whirl. I think I have been tempted. Uh, Matt touched on negative rake. That's going to be the very next topic we talk about. One note first on F3 at Monza is driving styles. So the last few events, Road Atlanta aside, that doesn't count. That's a roller coaster. The last few events we've done, I have been genuinely faster than you, Matt, I think, just on like pure, pure lap time. And I've been, I was felt fantastically fast at Okayama and Silverstone, got to Monza and couldn't do a thing. I, I was completely at sea, just assumed, OK, this isn't a great track. It's not a good uh, race for me. And then you popped up in our Swarm practice. Swarm is the name of our little unofficial club where we practice on a Monday, then attack the officials on a Wednesday. You popped up into second place in that. And the second I saw that you were ahead of me, I went, ah, and I hope this isn't an insult. I went, ah, this is a track where you need to be aggressive because I've always felt you have a very aggressive approach to cornering. And so as soon as I saw you were ahead of me, I was like, right, I've got to attack the, the corners and feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and then the lap time did start to come down a bit. Yeah, no, you, you made a really good progression, actually, dur- during that practice. Yeah. I had I had tested out a couple of different setups and, and had figured out the key to unlocking the lap time with the setup that I wanted to run. So, um, so I was already pretty on it when I showed up. And then also, as it turns out, the setup I was testing only had like half the amount of fuel is the race fuel. So that probably helped a little bit, too. Um, and then the other thing I did, and I don't know how much you guys use this, is... I'm not an advert. I'm using the VRS race school. I have enjoyed the data so much that I am, don't tell my wife, I am subscribed. So $495 a month to use their unlimited data analysis. And because we're at Mist Apex, we're all in a team and we all have our VRS data on, I was able to look at your data, at Tim's data, at Danny's data and see exactly where it was I was missing out. So obviously you'll be familiar with, with Monza, Brad. What those guys were doing that I wasn't doing was into the first Lesmos, for example, I was like braking, getting my speed off, then then trying to pick my corner. I don't know what that's called. Is that That's not carrying speed. That's carrying speed, isn't it? So I was being quite conservative. I looked at the traces and they were all braking about 75, 70, no, I'm exaggerating, about 40 meters ahead of me and 40 meters uh, later, uh, sorry, yes, later on the accelerator. And um, so... In the end, I ended up turning and braking blind, way past what I thought was comfortable. And I would never have figured that out on my own without looking at those guys' data. So I think I'm hooked now, just four ninety five a month forever, because it just has such an effect. And going, well, oh, that's what I was doing wrong. I would never have found it. I don't use it myself often, at least. I certainly don't have a subscription, but I am thinking of, of getting one um, because... 
you're right. It is really useful at those times where you just need to find the time that you can't work out on your own. Um, and I currently yeah. have a subscription to a different, all right, we can talk about it. Yeah, again, sure. It's yeah. Not, not sponsored. I'm, I'm subscribed to PDS, Pure Driving yeah. School. So I'm doing the, and, the free trial at the moment for PDS. And in the past, their setups were really good. I used to use them to, for the Formula Renault 2.0s quite a lot. Um, but I've found the last few weeks, there's the majors garage setups have just always been faster. So I kind of think maybe I'll just bin that off and get VRS just for the data. Yeah. So the, the, I've, I've, the PDS setups, I think have been really good from what I've seen better than the VRS setups, just in my opinion, but I am, you know, I'm a very conservative middle-aged driver. So that might be a factor as well. They're both excellent services as far as I can tell, Brad. It really depends on which car as well, because it's not like it's the same person making all the setups. So I think there's a particularly good single-seater um, setup maker. His name's, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Swelio Almeida. I think that's the name of the guy who does all the single-seater setups for uh, majors. And he just seems to be really good. Seems to have just really nailed it this season. And it's just different people. I'm, I'm sure PDS or VRS have excellent GT setups or or whatever. So it just depends. Yeah, well, you know, I'm thinking Spanner. Yeah, it's sort of you've made this interesting comment about the comparison in our driver style. Yeah, and we have a professional driver on the show might be kind of interesting for him to uh, have a look at our telemetry and and get an analysis at some point. Of course. Yeah, I think it would, it would have to be a track, say, that you and I are both unfamiliar with and just see how we initially approach those those corners naturally, because there certainly have been other tracks where I've been quicker and I, and I find that you're just throwing it off the track. Whereas at Monza, suddenly you were like a full second ahead of me. I've caught that up, but only because I was literally in the data and you can see the exact breaking point. As long as you know your breaking point, you can... Uh, is it cheating, Brad? I can just sit there and go, right, I know Tim is breaking 30 metres ahead of me. So I will just close my eyes, grin and bear it and just break 30 metres later. It's it's not really cheating, is it? But it, it certainly helps you out if you're the slower of, of a pair of drivers. <laughs> and uh, and I, it's always a case that the best driver, the guy who doesn't need to look at data, the person who's just the fastest in a session, would much rather you didn't have access to their data, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay, since we're talking about is it cheating, is it not cheating, this sounds like a great time to talk about negative rake. Now, I I have always been suspicious in iRacing that someone has got a magic setup or a magic way of doing things that makes it impossible for me to catch them. I recently found out that in the MX-5s, if you use a H-pattern gearbox and heel toe, you basically can gain a second over someone using auto blip and paddle shifts. And all that time we spent in MX-5, I was like, wow, I, I was investing that time and there was a, a mechanical solution the i just didn't have yeah on, on that very subject I, I worked this out when we were back doing the map events in the mx5s uh, not not heel and toe i found that having everything on full manual and just completely binning off the pedals using a clutch button on my steering wheel i was able to make the gear changes very quick because i didn't need to press a clutch down and come off i could just click a button very quickly whilst pulling the paddle and have basically minimal delay yeah. between gear shifts and it did make around about a second a lap so uh, i also hate the idea that there's this magical Set thing up. that you haven't found out yeah. yet but the community and of course i'm sure iRacing would officially like to tell you no 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 it's just you know it's more about preference it's more about style so i don't know where i land on this negative rake thing that our community has discovered 
uh, we didn't invent it, it's been invented elsewhere, but it's come to our attention. I think, Matt, you can probably give us a bit of a summary, but we have found it worked very, very well at Spa. It worked very well at Monza, perhaps not with ultimate lap time, but I was such a pain in the arse on the straights at Monza that I seriously questioned whether I should continue to use any negative rake setups because I felt like I was cheating. It's the inevitable any setup compromise. You chose this setup that rewarded maximum straight line speed and punished you in the corners. Other people chose the opposite. That's what racing at the end of the day is about. You and your engineer working out where your minimum lap time is really going to be. So I think the point here is that there isn't, the reason Spanners thinks this is bordering on cheating is that there isn't a compromise with this particular setup. You're having the benefit of massive straight line speed whilst also still having really good cornering speed. But that's what this this negative rake weird setup is supposed yeah, to do. It's slightly I've had less experience. cornering speed. It's a little bit harder, but not as, as harder as it should be. Uh, so for comparison, at Silverstone, I was a second and a half at best off my pace with the regular setup using the negative rake setup. It's really good at slow speed corners. But medium and high speed corners, you essentially have no downforce on the front of the car. And it just right. understeers like mad, even on throttle. So, so there may be people who've worked out how to use it at other tracks. But here, yeah, it was definitely, it, you could definitely go through corners faster with the regular setup than you could with this one. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, go on, go on, Brad. It, it's not worked as well at tracks like uh, Silverstone or, you know, with the highest, so this- yeah. This is a bit different then to what I thought because the the traditional, the negative rake setup that everybody was getting up in arms about wasn't quite like that. It wasn't where you had this trade-off. Right. Like It sounds like this is just a perfectly legitimate setup trade-off where it's quick in the straights and it's not quite as good in the corners and other people could have a different trade-off. Okay, so what, the, is, what is the thing you have heard about? Because it, it might just be a variation of it. Yeah, the controversial thing from a few months ago now, I guess it was, was where, and I'm pretty sure it started off at Spa, was a setup that I'm, I've used as well, where it was just as quick in the corners and also crazy yeah. fast on the straights because somehow maybe it stalled the aero on the straights, which meant that over a certain speed, you just like lost all downforce, but it didn't matter because you were still on super, just really, really fast. The moment you got below a certain speed, the air reconnected and you still had all the downforce in the corners. So that's when I was thinking, oh, it's borderline cheating, but it's not cheating. What you're doing sounds like it's just legitimate, but... It just seems to be working really well for you. Uh, Matt? Yeah, well, I, I can't speak to, because I, I frankly am not a good enough driver. I can't speak to whether the trade-offs exist as I describe them, but for me, they do. You know, it, it took a lot of work to figure out how to drive through a corner with that setup. It wasn't an intuitive thing. And it, and it seemed like outside of the slow speed corners, which I will grant you, I was faster in the slow speed corners with this setup. But but in both the Lesmos, I think I was losing time to the people I was racing. Negative rake suggests to me, so when we talk about a high rake in Formula One, we're talking about the rear end being up, essentially like making the car like a shovel, making the whole car a wing. So with negative rake, we've got the car pointing upwards from the nose. So am I right in thinking, Brad, that no race car, no single seater would have negative rake? And that, that's another thing that makes it feel like a cheat. Outside of a weird example that I just don't know about, you're right. I, I can't think of any time where you would employ negative rake unless 
it was a case of a particular circuit you needed to clear a curb or something and you had to have the front end high for it for some reason but in general you would never do this because mm. it's almost like you're generating lift you'd be worried about actually flipping the car over on the right. straights or something so that's why it's a bit weird isn't it that this tends to or seems to work yeah i think it's very much a physics thing in the physics engine of iRacing because you can look and see uh for example like um I clicked one off the rear wing and you can see it's got a negative drag coefficient. And so I think on the straights that's operating perhaps like an accelerator in their equations. I don't know. I haven't seen the maths behind it, but it's just sort of a guess. And it's also set up in the ARBs. Everything's as soft as possible. It's also set up for utter maximum mechanical grip. But if you need downforce for the corner to work properly, then then unless it's a point and squirt corner where I can be slow and get on throttle all you know well before I get on the apex so I have a long acceleration zone afterwards, you're going to lose to anyone with a normal setup there. So I the reason I felt like it was a cheat was because I was having a really good battle with a guy, I think he was called Joshua, and I think he was better than me. That This is the thing that, that hurt me because I feel like he was a better racer than me and I ended up uh, beating him. And yes, I did have to live with a little bit more in the corners. But say like out of Parabolica, he's got a much better run. He's in the toe. He pulls out. The second he pulls out, I start pulling away again. And then I'm able to get him into turn one. And then I felt a bit guilty on the chat afterwards. He went, oh, oh, Richard, um, let's compile that. You were very fast on the strike. And you could just, there was a bit of like, he's like, what's, you could tell he was thinking, what's happening? And I would say, without a mistake, I was unpassable at any of the races I've done at Monza. So to me, slightly breaks the quote-unquote game. If you are part of our VRS team, if you do mistake Apex Swarms, look me up, Richard Reddy, on the team, and you can just download that setup and see what you think. If you're listening to this and you'd like to try it out, email me, spanners at mistapex.net, and I will, I will send you that setup. And this brings up sort of the interesting new fixed spec series, F3, that we're going to be getting on the off hours. Because the argument has always been, and especially if you're talking about Formula One, oh, it's the car. It's the setup. Yeah, if you have a setup tailored to you that is spot on at a track you love, you are going to be hard to pass unless you make a mistake. And the more money you have, the more time you can spend, the more engineering know-how you have, the bigger the advantage you possess so it's it's an age-old argument i think in all motorsports right brad i don't think you've got anything to worry about here in terms of feeling guilty for that this this is no different to just running a setup with less rear wing you're going to be quicker on the straights and slower through the corners and it happened to work it was the best compromise for you at monza and all you're doing is working within the parameters set out by iRacing in the same way that you know if you if you get net code that's a thing that doesn't happen in real life but you've got to give enough space so that that doesn't happen and and sometimes if you crash in a certain way the car bounces and in real life the suspension would have broken but you get lucky and it doesn't break you're just working within within the confines of the physics of the of the sim so i don't think you've got anything to worry about brad i like you i respect you i would consider you a, a friend i would trust you coaching my son but when it comes to the moral compass of what is cheating and what isn't cheating, we have very... Di- All I'm saying is I wouldn't employ you to be my Jiminy Cricket when it comes to right and wrong. But I think we've got the full spectrum of how we feel on that. And I'm quite happy to... I'm happy that we're having a conversation about that kind of setup as well. It will be interesting to see which F3 aliens struggle on the F3 fixed 
which I believe is coming in next season. So let's move away from the single-seaters, guys, and go to Endurance Brad. Uh, talk to me about the Not Le Mans 24-hour. Yeah, so if you haven't heard about this, the the ACO, the Automobile Club West, the French organization which is in charge of Le Mans and Le Mans Series Racing, um, have got an exclusive arrangement with, I believe, R-Factor 2 to ah, run right. the official Le Mans 24-hour sim race. And they have explicitly stated, and, and obviously told this directly to people like iRacing, that <laughs> nobody is allowed to run an event um, kind of posing as yeah. the Le Mans 24 hours, except for them, except for their particular one, which I think sound it is a load of rubbish in my opinion, because... Uh. That's the reason that you license the Le Mans track to a simulator. That's the reason why yeah. iRacing has Le Mans is to run the Le Mans 24 hours. We don't go and do other races there. You can. No one cares. It's to do the 24 hours. But iRacing is not allowed this year yeah. or going forward to run the official Le Mans 24 hours. It's a strange one because, as Joe Saywood often says on Miss Apex, you know, the, the winner traditionally the winner of the Le Mans 24 hours would have to go out and do their own promo. You know, it's not like Formula One where everyone knows who won the the Monaco Grand Prix. So on the surface, it feels like they would be shooting themselves in the foot a little bit to not let the massive iRacing community go and do a Le Mans 24 hour. So you've got to think that R-Factor just got in there with like a correct deal. And then now to, to, to st- I'm guessing completely, but to, to stick to the terms of that deal, they've then got to go and put the, the warnings onto iRacing and other services to say no you can't do it because we've only licensed it to our factor but it's it's you feel like they would benefit from having iRacing running official Le Mans 24 hours yeah and i i think it is it's crazy that that they've been banned from doing it and i've heard that they can't even get away with calling it the iRacing 24 hours of France or anything like that. Oh, Despite wow. having a license to, yeah. you know, for, for the users to use this, this track and, and car combination, you know, we've got all the GTEs and the LMP1s and the LMP2s. So, so as an alternative to that, various non-official leagues uh, are going to be running their own 24 hours because they can't really get in trouble in the same way. And the most prominent of these, as I, as far as I can tell, is Majors. They're calling it the Majors 24 Hours. Majors is a uh, obviously a set-up shop website as well as a oh, racing okay. league. So like PDS and VRS? Exactly, ah, that okay. kind of thing. I didn't know that. Um, so they've got like a broad spectrum of, of sim racing offerings, and they're running a really professional um, Le Mans 24-hour substitute called the Majors 24 Hours. And it's so close to being an official one <laughs> sure. that all the top teams, Williams, eSports, all those kind of guys, they're all entered as if they were entering the official one. Ah, but what it means is right. they can actually run it slightly better than if it was an official iRacing race. And that's because they're going to have live stewards. They're going to have rules which more closely reflect the actual Le Mans 24 hours in terms of um, s- slow zones or you know safety cars which bunch up um, you know full sets of cars rather than just having uh, an iRacing um, like yellow flag, local yellows, that kind of thing. So it's going to be quite interesting. I'm really looking forward to to getting involved and hopefully getting in the top split because there's going to be lots of splits. So how popular do you think it will be? Well, they've, they're running a an entry list on the website right now. Um, the race is in a week and a bit's time. Right. And as of counting yesterday, I think I saw 154 teams just in the GTE class. Um, 
And so they're, they're limiting it to something like 10 LMP1s in each split, 20 LMP2s and 23 or 24 GTEs. So that's a lot of races they're going to have to run to okay. get everyone in. So it's a multi-class. Multi-class, right. just like the normal official Le Mans 24 hours would be. So LMP1, LMP2 and GTE with all the Ferrari GTEs and Porsches and that kind of thing. There are real trophies. So all of the classes and mm-hmm. all of the splits will have real trophies and real prizes. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, I feel a bit left out, to be honest. So I hear that not only are you doing it, Van Jean's doing it, Carl Powell's doing it, Matt's doing it as well. We've got loads of our community getting involved. So where's my where's my invite trumpets? Have I been snubbed? Uh, you just needed to sign up in the endurance channel. All oh, right, okay, fair enough. We are I will say we are making a massive effort to get me on track to do some endurance racing. So I, I do want to. I want to get involved. The the Spa 24-hour, which is an official race for iRacing, it's one of the big-ticket special events, is on July the 23rd, and we are focusing some energy into getting teams involved in that in a kind of official Miss Apex capacity. We ran LMP-style cars for our fun race for round four. We, we drove the Rileys, Matt. How did you find that? We, we, we drove Rileys and Cadillacs. I was commentating, though. Uh, I actually skipped that race, but I did do a lap or two in the Riley and they are, I guess they would be close to the P2 experience. Right, okay. They're nothing like driving the P1. Okay. So between the two of you, if I, if I want to get involved, so firstly with this majors thing, can I just sign up? Do I need a team or what do I do? So you probably would need to find teammates mm. so that you're not doing it on your own. I believe, is it, is it minimum of two drivers or can you enter as, as a sole entry, Matt? No, you can't. I, they always say you can't enter as a sole entry. You'll just be disqualified. But oh, okay. it's a minimum of two. Can I, is there a license limit? It's D license. <gasps> okay. So could I, could I steal Catman's license, sign me and Catman up as a team, just do the beginning and then quit? Could, could I just do it just to experience it? You, you could. And there's no entry fee. Right. You can do it for free. 
The only stipulation, and this is something that's a bit different to, to the officials, is there is a 25 US dollar um, entry fee if you want to be eligible for the top split or for the ah, trophies. Interesting. So if you want to be in the top split, your qualifying times in pre-qualifying, which takes place all through the next week, will they'll only count. You can only get into the top split if you've paid the entry fee. But in wow. all honesty, between okay. three or four drivers, $25 isn't too bad. No, no, it's not, it's not too bad at all. And if you if you compare that to going karting and just spending like two hours at a kart track. Yeah, it all seems very reasonable. But people, when it's an internet thing, they expect it to be free. Don't do that. Think of it as it's a few hours of entertainment or like in this case, 10 hours of entertainment for however, however, however many monies you just said. I, I've been struggling just to commit myself to these 24-hour events because of the, the scheduling between work and family time and stuff like that. So it is difficult. But as a group, we're trying to we're trying to overcome that logistic challenge to make it really easy for the guys that swarm with us in F3, Matt, to then just go, OK, all I need to do is turn up, say that I'm interested, and then we kind of give them a slot. I think we have a Discord channel that talks about endurance racing. I know we have a Slack channel mm. that's iRacing Endurance. If you're interested, just go there and say, I want to play. What do I do? And someone in someone in the channel will take you by the hand yeah. and walk you through the steps, just like they did for my first iRacing. In the first race. instance, email me spanners at mistapex.net to get involved in any Mist Apex iRacing. So here's the question for you two. There's multi-class, there's three. I believe Spa 24 is actually only GT3s. So that's that's easy. If I was going to jump into Le Mans, I think I've driven... An LMP2, I've got the Dallara 217. have enjoyed that, but wow, is it difficult. I also have the Porsche RSR, i.e., and I have the Mercedes uh, GT3. Which do you recommend for me, Brad, to jump in and, and try this Le Mans race? So you couldn't do the GT3 because they're not racing at right. Le Mans. Right, okay, sorry. Um, your Porsche 911 RSR is a GTE, so you could use that. That's probably the one I'd recommend. The LMP2, if you thought it was hard before, <laughs> it's very hard with Le Mans downforce levels. Um, so I, I raced in LMP2 last year when it was the old LMP2 at Le Mans. And because basically you have to strip all the aero off, it becomes absolutely horrible and wants to kill you in oh, every corner, okay. particularly the Porsche curves at night. It just wants to put you in the barriers. And all the classes are a bit like that because all the classes you're stripping all the aero off. But at least a GT car doesn't change as much yeah. between low and high downforce spec. So I would go for that. That's the class I'm in for that exact same reason, because I didn't want to be um, terrified for 24 hours that I was just going to spit it <laughs> off the road. Okay. So go for your Porsche. That would be my recommendation. I have to say, when we were lining up to do the, the Daytona 24-hour, I was, I was doing the practice laps in that Porsche, and it's a lovely car to drive. Once you get over the fact that, that it doesn't brake at all, you've just got to brake like a year in advance. It's, it's a lovely, it feels like a lovely sports car. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm trying to get over at the moment. Coming from the Formula Renault 3.5s, um, where, you know, it's it's not far off an F1 car in terms of performance. Jumping in a GT car where you're doing 200 <laughs> miles an hour down the straight, and then you've got no aero, and you've got very tight corners at the end at Le Mans, it's really hard to judge the entry speeds, and I've had a lot of crashes. And uh, we'll take a question from the live chat room. We are trying to do these live so just subscribe to us at missed apex motorsport that's where to find all our iRacing broadcasts and some of my videos that i've been making where i've been doing a sort of whose fault is it style video series 
and uh, you can catch these podcasts live. We're trying to do the, the video versions more often. Sam asked a question on endurance racing. How do you ensure that you're not a menace on track? I want to participate in a team, but I don't want to be the guy that screws it up for everyone. So there's two questions here. How do you not screw it up for your own team? And secondly, how are you not a menace with the multi-class whizzing past or having to overtake people? Matt? Well, uh, there's a couple of simple answers to that. As far as not being a menace to your team, what you need to understand is everyone you're racing with will have already put it into a wall, spun it off the track, (laughs) crashed the car, and cost everyone 45 minutes of repairs in some huge race that you were in. So everybody you're racing with has already been that person, and they will be if they are good teammates. Wait, wait, everyone? Brad, have you been that person? Oh, I've been that person in real life and and on the (laughs) sim. Actually, I I haven't crashed an endurance car in real life but i've certainly had that worry of letting everyone down and that being an overwhelming kind of voice in your ear like don't screw this up for the rest of the team (laughs) but yeah in, in the sim yes i've been that person and as far as for other people well the rules are pretty straightforward if you're a slower class car and it's a faster class car you drive your racing line and they have to navigate around you if you're racing someone your own speed it's normal racing rules. The big thing to do really is watch your mirror and have a good spotter. As someone who who tends to be m- more of the person doing the lapping and having to pass the slower class cars, my bit of advice would be don't do anything different really <laughs> to what you normally do other than maybe just don't don't break as late as you possibly can when there's a car next to you. Just the only thing you need to do differently is just lift off slightly earlier if you do happen to be alongside a faster car coming up to a braking zone all all the lines and that kind of thing just do it normally because the faster cars behind you want you to be predictable they're going to make their way around you they want to just be able to predict what you're going to do without you doing a swerve to let them through when they weren't expecting that and then they'll crash behind you oh man being predictable is has been one of my biggest gains recently so in the the Mist Apex series, Matt, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I I was so scared of ruining the race for other people or people that I had invi- invited to turn up that I ended up being a menace on track because I was like trying to let people by. I was doing things that a normal racer wouldn't do. At Silverstone, I was medium aggressive. I was I just treated it like any other race and I found my interactions with everyone was much better. And I think that same lesson could apply to endurance racing where there's a temptation to be overly compliant and actually you are all you're doing is making yourself very hard to to navigate around yeah it's a little bit different because if you were the slower car you want to lose as little time as possible and obviously if you're the faster car it's the same thing so you're working towards a common goal but as you were in the lead in a slower car you're also making judgment calls about what where it's best for your race for this person to get by you so you can if you know the person behind you you can slow down a little bit extra and a little bit early and they will see that and they will take the inside and beat you into the corner then you can follow them through and benefit from their draft on the other side but as brad says you do have to be careful about that because if they're not expecting it they will just pile drive right into you now, I know it's kind of map iRacing podcast blasphemy almost to talk about a real life race as a tangent. But if you want to it's see fine. this kind of played out in reality, lots of times, it's the Nürburgring 24 hours this weekend. And it's broadcast to most regions for free with English commentary 
with extremely good coverage on YouTube. Okay. Um, and you will see loads of onboards. Uh, in fact, once we've finished this very um, podcast, I'm going to go watch the top 30 qualifying. But even in the, the pre-qualifying I watched yesterday, so many times GT3 cars are approaching a slower class and both cars are on a flying lap. Just one of them is on a 30 second a lap slower flying lap. And it's watching this this kind of mental process between the faster class car yeah. who just needs to get through at all costs right now and the slower class car who is also doing their own session and both of them trying not to have an accident <laughs> whilst losing the minimum time. That would be a great demonstration of, of everything Matt just mentioned. All right. Well, no, that's, I think that brings us nearly to the end of endurance racing, Matt. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, and, and you experience it, it there are places uh, on that track in particular where when I did my last race there, I was like, please don't let that person catch me here or please don't let me catch this person there <laughs> because it's just a nightmare uh, when you get into the really twisty bit sometimes to deal with the slower car safely. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, good. Right. So Missed Apex podcast or Missed Apex as an organization, apart from having a terrible name that we're stuck with now, which is Missed Apex, which is a very negative thing. I regret that every time I try and organize an event. Uh, Mr. Apex is trying very hard to get into endurance racing, and I'm looking forward to the community getting behind it with a bunch of teams. Um, but I need to do something. I need to find something to do before the Spa 24 hours so I'm not a complete rookie by the time we get there. And uh, if I can fudge away, maybe I can find a We Don't Care Le Mans team to race with me this weekend. Like, is there a, a team of people who don't care about the result in any way, shape, or form as long as they get to be a part of it and not wreck it for other people? That might be an idea, Matt. Am I onto yeah. something? I think you will find most endurance teams adopt that attitude because okay. once you've done a few, what you realize is the key to success is rarely ultimate lap time. I don't want it's, success. I just want to have a go. <laughs> the, the the ultimate key is simply not crashing your car. Okay. All right, good. Well, to end with, we've gone sort of 45 minutes here. To end with, I just want to have a quick word about setups. So I... I don't know anything about setups, and I know, Brad, even though you're our expert here, you don't love uh, doing setups. But if you were provided with a, a few setups to choose from, you would feel the difference, even when me and Matt wouldn't. So you would have a preference. And I, I've always thought that uh, iRacing is missing a trick by not having fixed setups, but like multiple fixed setups. So have a series where we will provide you with three setups one which is a bit leery and the back end gets loose, but maybe it's the fastest lap time. A neutral one and a corporate setup for people like me that don't want any oversteer and just want to be able to drive the car and push it without it spinning off into oblivion. So what I'm talking about here is the preference for setups. We've got a, a lad called Luca. Hello, Luca, who does setups in our swarm that are undrivable to everyone but him. But he is a teenager. He doesn't mind getting Larry. He doesn't mind getting wild. His setups tend to be very fast, but take, say, four or five laps in the Formula 3 to, to warm up and get up to speed. Uh, whereas, say, something like PDS, by lap three, you're pretty much, you know, you're on the pace. Do you have a preference between that kind of thing? Like when you have to choose between uh an ultimately fast one lap setup in a race or something that is instantly drivable? Uh, my, my preference is pretty simple. It's whichever is fastest for the situation. So 
I don't I don't care if it's you know harder to drive or more neutral or whatever. I just want it to be. If my preference is purely if this is the fastest setup, that's the one I want. And fastest and will, over what? Over the race. It, well, it depends. If it's for qualifying, I want the fastest qualifying setup. If it's the race, I want the fastest. Good total point. We're, we're talking about setup. race setups at the moment. So you would look at your whole race time and go right. Whichever one does the. Do you actually monitor the the race time when you're practicing? Do you go right? What is my ten lap pace? Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, it becomes reasonably obvious. I, the only caveat to that would be if it's a setup where maybe at Monza, for example, to go back to your example from earlier, there might be a setup which, if you're driving on your own, is actually the quickest race distance setup. If I could just do a time trial for 20 laps, this would be the fastest setup. However, I'll be a sitting duck on every straight and I actually won't be able to do that because I'll always be behind someone mm. who's overtaken me on a straight. So in that instance there might be a compromise you need to make but for most scenarios the fastest setup over a race distance if we're not talking about a weird track like monza is the one i would want uh matt i i thought i was just talking t- about luca not to him he is actually in the in the live chat yeah he said there's not a problem with the yeah. setups it's mostly the drivers <laughs> trying to use them no that's that's fair it is a user problem the the problem with those setups is i can't drive them well, it's interesting Brad brings that up because usually what I will use, VRS has a very nice feature where it will give you average lap time for a stint. Uh. So even if you don't run a full race stint, you can go run five laps, you can run 10 laps yeah, and see what your average the is. The problem with that though is it obviously doesn't take into account when you just stuffed it a bit. Well, you take that into account by you know running, running clean yeah. laps. But I had that problem at Road Atlanta. I actually qualified super well for my race but with the setup that I knew was going to just get me slaughtered on the long back straight because it had so much downforce. And later when I went around and played with it, I found another half second by shedding a little bit extra of that. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess, Brad, you're not limited like I am by those early laps where it is dangerous for me. If if there's low grip and cold tyres, my race will be significantly impacted by not being able to get up to speed quickly. Like if I've got a setup that gets up to speed very quickly i can at least attack in those first few laps and to someone like me i get st- i'll get stuck in a pack whereas you won't so i guess for less good drivers the early laps are maybe more important for drivability so i heard you talking about this on a previous podcast where you said you are a fair weather driver yeah you, in order for you to be fast at the moment at your current skill level yeah. as of today you need the car to be not trying to kill you all the time and yes. be predictable and just do the thing you tell it to. You need to not be relying on innate car control. I say innate, obviously not <laughs> yeah, innate, yeah, yeah. learned car control yeah, 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 yeah. that you need to do instinctively without thinking about it. No, no, I no, I'm very mechanical. So I am I'm monkey see, monkey do right now. So you will lose a, a disproportionately greater amount of time yeah. on those initial laps than another driver who is confident in their car yes. control when the car is on edge you will have to rein it in that much more to not risk being on that limit where it might just snap and spit you off so that's really in my opinion the next stage in your driving development is is us getting you to a point where you can just confidently drive and when the car tries to slide however it is whether it's understeer or oversteer you are just mopping it up without worrying you know without just driving on the limit if that limit happens to be low because the tires are cold no problem but you're at the limit rather than at the moment which is probably where you're having to drive around under the limit until the temperature comes up so So, i think this is where matt is better than me i do think matt is an instinctively better driver i am trying to learn what to do in every situation so i'm happy to memorize oh on lap two 
uh, when the tires are colder, I need to brake at this different point. I'm happy to do that. I'm also happy like when I've like overheated the fronts. So I know my reaction to suddenly not having that turn in. I can adjust the brake bias to give myself a bit more front grip or I can bring my braking point back. And uh, yeah, it's sort of embarrassing really because yeah, I am definitely just learning all those situations and increasing my playbook. Whereas irritatingly, I feel like Matt can feel that and has a bit more of an instinct. Um, I don't know, but sure. Yeah, I'll go with that. Sounds good. I've got a better memory because you're old as hell and I can just still remember stuff because I'm only 40. Fair enough. I have, although I love the technical details, certainly as a player um, across sports and music and I jazz. think as a driver you're too. jazz, man. That's all improv. Yeah. It's all feel. Well, no, I was classically trained, but it, but to me, it's it, the feel of the car is everything. So if I if I feel it and I feel confident in it, then then I don't have a problem if the if the rear gets loose. If I get on the throttle early, I can feel like I can deal with it. But I will also always in a race mm. try and be logical about picking where those laps that I try and get close to the that limit are, because I know that if you spin off at all. Yeah, you lose You're a multitude losing. of places. So, so it's it, it's a bit of a battle, I suppose. So I feel like Brad, the thing we're talking about that I don't have because I'm happy even in karting, I just do test and adjust. So ah, braking at that point didn't work for me. Go back later until I find what I'm comfortable with. The thing that I'm missing that we're talking about and skirting around is talent, and I and I feel like that might be my ultimate limit. I uh, I mean I don't actually believe in talent. Um, so I, I think it's all just, it's all just applying skills that you can learn and, and it's harder for some people to learn those skills, but ultimately I don't think anybody's born knowing exactly how to apply opposite lock in a given situation. You know, it's a thing that you, that you develop and you pick up and like any skill, the more you do a thing and the more you challenge yourself to be on the limit of that thing, the more subconscious that skill becomes and that's where you need to be you need to not ever be i I don't enter the first corner at spa in a formula 3.5 get on the throttle on the exit and think well best be really gentle because if it snaps i'm going to spin i just drive it when i get sideways i catch it and carry on and there's never there's never a question that i'm going to be able to catch it so that's the level we need to get you to to be a bit faster So all i need to do is embark on yeah i just need to mirror your career from karting all the way through single seaters and gt races and become and become uh you know a, a class champion that's all i need to do it'd be a, a class champion at endurance racing and then i'll be fine well you don't have to get as good as me <laughs> so we just need to get you better than you currently are and then then you're going to be quicker right so just to jump in with a little music lesson here oh, i God. had a teacher one time and and i think this goes to what you're talking about spanners just because of the way you described it was why i bring it up who said that keep a record of what you practice you know, like I assign you 10 things, keep a record of what you practice and whatever it is you practice least, that's what you actually need to be doing. Because as humans, we tend to avoid situations that make us uncomfortable, oftentimes without realizing it. So you have developed a whole style that keeps <laughs> you away from the one thing you actually need to master to, to go from the 2000s to the three or the 4000s. And, and that's true for me too. I think it's kind of true for everybody if you think about it, but I just wanted to mention it because it seems so apropos here. Uh, it's fascinating. I, I love the argument we've had as a Missed Apex series as to how much notice we should give 
for the the track that we're doing for the next round. So we have been experimenting very, very heavily between only telling people before the first practice session and then telling people weeks in advance. And different people benefit in different ways. I, I, I think it doesn't make a huge amount of difference to me. Mark Greenhower has just commented in the, the chat, says it's all muscle memory for me, takes ages for me to get there. And he seems like one of our iRacing participants that benefits from having the time to work hard at it. And when it's last minute, I don't think he's been particularly happy. I think I've been happy when you get a lot of notice if it's a track I love and I'm ready to willing to practice. You could give me a month's practice at Monza and I would never be fast. Uh, but what do you think of that, Brad? What would you prefer? Oh, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say as little as no- notice as possible, I'll bet. It, it really depends. I hate saying I that. It depends. <laughs> it, it, it depends. Um, I I like to get really tuned in to a circuit, so having lots of notice is good. I suppose it in, depends on the opposition as well. Yeah, I do also consider myself uh, good at picking something up quickly. So as long as everybody has dropped in, my ideal situation would be fixed setups, so I don't have to worry about yeah. someone else has a better car than me. Fixed setups and a track that none of us have driven. So just drop us all into a brand new circuit that didn't exist until the race. That would be my ideal because I I really like learning it quickly, getting up to speed as fast as possible. That's the area I feel I'd have an advantage. Whereas there's always going to be someone who's better than me at a track that that already exists. So, Okay, so respond to this idea from Sam who says, give the guys at the back a head start on knowing what the track is. Do you think that would work, Brad? Um. I mean, again, it depends what your aim is. Uh, if your aim is to see the the best people do the best job, then um, that that probably isn't the. No. If you're looking for entertainment for yeah. viewers, then great. So at Mist Apex on our events, I would like to see as level a playing field as possible. I want to see the people at the back have the opportunity to go forward, whilst not limiting the skill uh, skill showings of the people up front. Yeah. So. I mean that that could work, but um, I don't know how you'd police it. So this is no, this is part of the reason why I obviously am not a, a regular competitor in the missed apex <laughs> events because no, I just random. want I want my qualifying pace to be rewarded with good grid starts, and I don't ever want to be reverse no, grid into the middle grids, of the yeah. pack. Yeah. Um, so I, I try and stay away from that if possible. But um, but I can see why that would work for the map series. Excellent. Guys, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Mist Apex podcast. And thank you as well to our live chat room. We have been working hard to make this more of a, a video and a live stream event. We would love this to be appointment viewing like Mist Apex podcast is in the F1 side of stuff. But Matt, iRacing, believe it or not, has not yet commanded the same authority within my family schedule as F1, the F1 podcast. So when we had a beach day yesterday... I couldn't have said, but no, it's the iRacing podcast. Instead, it got delayed to Friday. Yeah, I can <laughs> sort of see that. Beach Beach Day is pretty beach important. Day, yeah. it, 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 did, um, it did override our desire to record. So we will work harder on finding a regular spot so you can predictably join us for the live recording and know when it's going to be available on your podcatcher of choice. If you could help us by sharing this podcast we'll put a link in the show notes below share it on the sim racing and the iRacing forums that you frequent so that we can grow and build and build our community of racers as well join us for the swarm of f3 that we're doing at the moment i think we're going to do that next season i'm i'm 
I'm 90% sure we're going to do that next season unless the schedule is just awful. It was a bad schedule this year. If it gets worse, we might think about finding a different series. But for now, we're doing F3. We are looking to swarm some endurance racing as well. So spanners at mistapex.net to get involved with that. And I'll hook you up with our race control to get you involved. Follow Brad on YouTube. Brad Philpot. Yes, and, and I'm very close to 3.4K subscribers, so be that person that helps tip me over the edge. I'll do what uh, you do when I talk about my I rating. Say, oh, that's cute, Brad. 3.5 thousand subscribers. It's nice. Good. Keep trying. Keep trucking, Brad. I'm trying hard to make the live <laughs> streams good. I'll be streaming the Majors 24 next weekend, so um, yeah, subscribe to me and, and join me in the chat and distract me whilst I'm doing 200 miles an hour on the Mulsanne straight. They're good streams, Brad, that you have a, a very easy air. I never feel stressed watching your streams. I always feel relaxed. Um, you go about your business and you don't actually get distracted by doing the live stream. It seems, it seems very natural. If, if it affects you, you're not showing it. I deliberately put the chat up in the air. So I have to, I have to really look away from the track yeah. deliberately <laughs> to see the chat. And I'm only going to do that when I'm on a straight. So it's not too Fair bad. enough. So on your stream, do you see the, the, the picture suddenly bolt up and look in the air? Um, oh, kind of. Yeah. I see what you mean as a viewer. Mm. No, but I mainly do it with my eyes. So oh, I'll I try and keep, so I know you don't like the VR view on I live streams, I but I keep my head pretty still and, and move my eyes. So I don't think you find it too bad. I can't do that. So I'm spending a significant amount of time and resource working on a way for me to race in VR, but stream so that the viewer is seeing it static. And it's a two PC solution. Technically very diff- difficult. Hopefully it'll go well. Follow Brad at Brad Philpot on Twitter. Follow Matt at Matt PT. 55? Yep, that's the one. Okay, this show is at iRacing Podcast. Don't shout it too loud. Do follow us, but I can't believe that we're allowed to have that. It feels like someone's going to steal it from us at some point. But for now, at iRacing Podcast, please subscribe to the channel Mist Apex Motorsport and catch all the little snippets and whose fault videos that we're doing. Until we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. Now we got, that was good. A solid hour. That's too long. We should do 40 minutes. But when you've got a live chat, as soon as you've got a live chat involved, it just, yep. it, it brings every conversation forward and goes, oh yeah, no, I didn't think of that. Now I want to talk about that. So it's your fault live stream. So as long as no one's in, in trouble domestically, I think we'll be okay. Becca's still at work. I'm, uh-huh. I'm about to shuffle off and go and watch the top 30 qualifying. Uh, do it, man. Go so. do it. Go do it. Okay, right. In that case, we'll end the stream right now. See you later, guys. Thank you. Bye. Literally ending it abruptly. I'll let you guys get off. Oh, God, Brad, I thought you'd gone, but you're just in that weird that yeah. weird shot. Oh, I can see me. Hey, me. <laughs> Excellent. I can see me too. Brilliant. I'm going to get this cut up. See you later, guys. Thank you very much. Have a good Bye. one. Uh, Brad, I'll see you tomorrow at two. 